sermon today is taken from our gospel lesson, which is from the gospel of Matthew chapter 20. Please stand as we hear words from Jesus in our gospel lesson. Our lesson today is Jesus telling us a, a parable, a story. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those who came, who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Those who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. This is God's word. You may be seated. Dear friends in Jesus, God's not fair. Do you ever hear people say that? Do you ever think that to yourself? God's not fair. I think that's a pretty popular thought. When the wrong people seem to succeed, God's not fair. When our plans don't work out just the way that we want them to work out, God's not fair. When you don't get the recognition that you feel you deserve for what you do, God's not fair. Or maybe it's when tragedy or sickness or death strikes you or someone in your family. God's not fair. Do you people say that? You thought that yourself? Here's what the Bible would say. Of course he's not. Does that sound surprising? Of course God's not fair. Just think about it. What if God were to give us what we really deserve? How would that go? Well, what do we deserve? The Bible tells us that we deserve punishment for our sin, right? The Bible even says that just one sin deserves condemnation in hell. So what if today God were to give us all what we really deserve? We'd be toast, right? Instead, God is gracious. Remember what grace means? I just talked about it with the kids. Grace is God's undeserved love. God is not fair. He doesn't give us what we deserve. He's better than that. He's gracious. Now, as I said, I have to clarify something. Of course, God is perfect. He's absolutely perfect. 
And since God is absolutely perfect, of course God is perfectly just and God is perfectly fair. Right? Paul in our second lesson, he said God is not unfair. But this is what we're talking about today. God's sense of fairness is different than our sense of fairness. God's sense of justice is different than our sense of justice. Things in the kingdom of heaven work differently than things in our kingdoms here on earth. And so to teach us about the kingdom of heaven, Jesus would tell parables, stories, like the one we have today. To teach us about fairness in the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them each a denarius, and he sent them into his vineyard. Sounds simple enough. This landowner needs workers for his vineyard. He agrees to pay him each a denarius. A denarius was one day's wage. There was a coin that was one day's wage. That sounds simple enough. It's just you have to, to know this. What this landowner did was a huge blessing for these workers. In ancient times in Jesus' day, to be a day laborer, to be a, a worker, was a really bad position to be in. There were no unions. There were no strikes. There were no benefits. If you were a day laborer, you depended on the goodwill of a landowner to give you a job and to pay you for it. And for this landowner to, to give the opportunity to these workers to work in his vineyard, this was a, a blessing to those workers. But the landowner didn't stop there. Knowing that this was a lifesaver to these workers to give them a job, the, the landowner goes out again and again hiring more workers. Did you, did you count how many times he goes out? Five different times. Five times. Now you can't tell me that he actually needed more workers five times during the day. Right? There's no way. Why did he do this? Because he was generous. Because he was gracious. He knew how much these workers needed. So at nine o'clock he goes out again. He says, you don't have a job? Come work for me. Twelve o'clock. He goes out again. You're still sitting around? Come work for me. Three o'clock in the afternoon. He goes out again. Nobody's paying you today. Come and work for me. This landowner is so generous. It's almost ridiculous because the last time he goes out, it was the 11th hour which was 5 o'clock. The workday ended at 6 o'clock. Who goes out and hires workers for one hour at the end of the day? Nobody does except this landowner. He goes to the marketplace one more time and he says to the men there, why are you still here standing around all day long? And they said, because no one has hired us. And so he said, go work in my vineyard. As you hear Jesus tell this story, hopefully you notice that the focus of the story is not on the workers. It's on this landowner. This kind man who spends his whole day looking for opportunities to invite workers to work in his vineyard. And finally, the, the 12th hour came. Six o'clock, the day's done. So it's pay time. If you've been paying attention to the story, you'd think this, this should be pretty complicated. How is he going to pay all of these different workers who have worked different lengths during the day? Well, he decides to start with those who, who work the least amount. And so the ones who had started work at five in the afternoon came forward, and each of them received a denarius. And now this must have been shocking. They worked for one hour. 
That means they worked for one-twelfth of the day. And yet he paid them a denarius. How much was a denarius worth? A whole day's wage. It was way more than what they deserved. Can you picture the smiles on these men's faces? Each worker came forward and each of them got a denarius. And so finally, it came to the, the first ones. They were the ones who'd actually worked a full day. Of course, they'd been watching. They saw the smiles on all the other workers' faces. They saw this generous wage that the landowner gave to everybody else. And they were the ones who had worked the hardest and the longest all day long, a full day's work. And what do you think they were thinking? Oh, we're going to get more, right? We better get more. We deserve more. And were they right? Well, of course, the way that we look at things, they were absolutely right. If I work for 12 hours and you work for one hour, I better get paid more than you do, right? That's what's fair. That's what's just. Except what did each of those first workers get paid? Same amount. A denarius. And they didn't smile. They grumbled against the landowner. They said, these last workers have worked only one hour and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. This is not fair. We deserve more. But the landowner said, I am not being unfair with you, friend. Did you not agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give to the one who worked one hour the same that I give to you. Don't I have a right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? This landowner wasn't being unfair. He gave the workers exactly what they had agreed to work for one denarius for one day's work. If there was anything that was unfair, it was his generosity. But didn't he have the right to do what he wanted to with his own money? So Jesus ended with this. The last shall be first, and the first shall be last. So what do you think Jesus is teaching us? We said that he's teaching us about the kingdom of heaven and how in God's kingdom, in the kingdom of heaven, things work differently than in our kingdom here on earth. In God's kingdom, is it a matter of our works or God's grace? God's grace. Like what percent? What percent of it depends on God's grace? 100%. All of it, you see, you see in, in our kingdom, we're used to everything depending on our hard work. In God's kingdom, God says it all depends on His grace. This is why I told the kids that heaven is flat. Once people get to heaven, it's all equal, right? We're all the same, same in sin, same in being saved by God's grace to us in Jesus. But when you hear that, isn't it awful? This is probably one of the most disturbing things that the Bible tells us about God. God's grace, God's generosity. This is probably one of the hardest things in the whole Bible for people to accept. Do you know what? If you're saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus, you are not better than anybody else. Do you like to hear that? 
If you are saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus, that means that God's blessings to you in your life are not something that you earned. If you are saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus, that means that whatever there is in your life that's good, 100% of the credit goes to God. If you're saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus, that means that it's, it's not by your own works. There's a verse in the Bible that says, if by grace, then it's no longer by works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. Romans 11, verse 6. You know what? We don't like this. Maybe I should say it like this. Our sinful natures don't like this. Just think about the thoughts that come into our minds. Maybe some of you have this thought that comes into my mind. I, I've been a Christian my whole life. Not like these newbies over here. If you're a member of our church, maybe, maybe this thought has come into your mind. I'm... I'm not just a Christian. I'm even a Lutheran. And on top of that, I am a, a Wells Lutheran. Right? It's got to be worth something. Right? Or how about this? I, I try my hardest. And they don't. I put in my fair share. Not like those people. When those thoughts come into our hearts and into our minds, whom are we thinking like? Those first workers in the story who grumbled against the landowner were grumbling against God, were, were grumbling against God's grace. And I want you to see that we have some simple, sinful assumptions behind those complaints. And they go like this. I deserve more from God than that person does. Or God owes me because of what I've done for him. Can you hear a problem with that? I think as you hear Jesus' parable, there's two things that we need to confess. We need to confess that we think that we merit good things from God based on what we do. And then because of that, we, we look down on other people and, and when we do that, we, we despise God's grace. And so here's a test. Here's one question to test our understanding of God's grace. Can a murderer make it into heaven? I actually have people ask me that pretty commonly. And usually they phrase it like this. Pastor, a murderer can't make it into heaven, right? I mean, we've got to draw the line somewhere, right? I mean, there's some people who just don't deserve to get there. If ever we, we think that, what are we implying? We deserve to get there. And we think that we deserve to get there. What are we basing our confidence and our trust on? Ourselves and our works. But remember, that's not how it works. In the kingdom of heaven, in the kingdom of heaven, it's by God's grace. Can a murderer get to heaven? What's the answer? Of course. How? The same way that anybody's going to make it to heaven, which is by repenting of our sins and trusting in God's grace to us in Jesus. But you say they don't deserve it. They don't deserve to go there at all. Of course they don't deserve it. That's the whole point. God gives people what we don't deserve. God's not fair. He's so much better 
He's gracious. Instead of punishing us for our sins, God sent his own son, Jesus. Instead of putting us up on a cross like our sins deserve, Jesus died on the cross to win forgiveness for our sins, to win eternal life. God holds out the same promise to everyone. Repent and believe the good news. Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Repent and believe the good news. God's not fair, at least not the way that we look at fairness. He's so much better. He's gracious. So here's what that means for us. There's a number of things we could say. First of all, that means that in the kingdom of heaven, there's no room for comparisons. The last will be first and the first will be last. In the kingdom of heaven, there's no room for comparing. I have to admit that's really hard for me. I'm a very competitive person. Are some of you competitive people? And if you're a competitive person, you know what we always do? We always compare, right? How can I be better than that person? How can I do better than that person? And what Jesus teaches us, there's no room for comparing in the kingdom of heaven. If you think about those first workers and where they went wrong, those first workers went wrong when they took their eyes off of the landowner and they put their eyes on their coworkers. You know what? That never ends up well. It leads to comparing and ranking and pride and envy. There's no comparing in the kingdom of heaven. Don't put your eyes on your fellow workers. Put your eyes on Jesus and his grace. Here's the second thing this means for us. It's not too late for you. Now, as I've been having this sermon, maybe you can tell most of what I've been saying has referred to the the first workers, the people who've been working the whole time. Maybe for Christians who've been Christians a long time. Maybe there's some people here who you haven't been a Christian your whole life. Maybe you're just coming back to Christianity after a time away. You know what Jesus says to you? It's not too late for you. You know, if you haven't been a Christian your whole life, I can imagine it, it might be hard to look around at other Christians and say, that person's believed their whole life. How could I ever be like that? How could I ever do as much as this person has done? Maybe it's too late. Maybe there's not time for for me to do what I need to do. You know what Jesus says? It's not too late for you. Even if it's the 11th hour. What is Jesus doing? Calling people. He's calling you. He's calling you by his grace to come to his house. Here's the third thing you understand God's grace to you, then you'll realize that Christians have more motivation to be the best workers than anybody else. Can you see that? Maybe sometimes people hear this parable or hear Christians talk about grace and how it's not by works, and they walk away thinking, ah, that means it doesn't matter what I do in my life, right? I don't have to do anything at all. It doesn't matter. Hold on. If you understand that God has given you way more than you deserve, If you understand that God has prepared for you in heaven way more than you could possibly deserve, deserve, what does that motivate you to do? To serve God with everything you've got. Christian workers have more motivation to be the best workers possible than anyone else because you know that you're not serving some human being. Whom are you serving? You're serving God. Whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. 
Lastly, here's the fourth thing that we can learn. The more that you appreciate God's grace, the more you celebrate God's grace to others. A Christian who recognizes God's grace never comes to church and looks around and says, oh, she's here today. Or, what's that guy doing here? No way. A Christian who understands God's grace comes to church and looks around and says, yes, she's back. I'm so happy that he's here. This is what God's angels do. Jesus said that there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. When God leads another sinner to repent, the the angels don't get envious. They celebrate. The more that you recognize God's grace to you, the more you'll celebrate seeing God's grace in the lives of other people. Maybe even like this. I, I think I've shared this with some of you before. But think about it like this. How do you think the, the people in heaven reacted when the person who murdered, murdered them got to heaven too? You know, this has happened in, in real history. You think especially of the Apostle Paul? We talked about can a murderer get to heaven? The Apostle Paul was a murderer. And what type of people did Paul murder? Christians. And so can you picture this? The day that Paul who by Jesus' grace was converted into being a disciple of Jesus. On the day that Paul died and went to heaven, how do you think the Christians in heaven whom Paul had murdered, how do you think they reacted? It's hard for us to picture here on earth, but you know how they reacted, right? They celebrated. They said, you made it. You too. By God's grace. Just like me. Don't we have an amazing God? See, the the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Heaven is flat. Because we have a God who, although he may not always seem to be fair, he's so much more. He's gracious. Amen. Let's say a prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, you are wise to tell us a parable about fairness in the kingdom of heaven. When we look at what you've done and what you still do in the world today, it often can seem to us like you're not fair. Lord, we ask that you forgive us for all of our complaints and grumbles against you. When we really sit back and see the big picture of your promises to us in your word, we see that the only way you're not fair is that you're so gracious. You are so generous to us. Help us to stop trusting in our own works, but to trust in your grace to us. May that lead us to be gracious to others. May that lead us not to compare, but to celebrate the salvation of other people's souls. May that lead us to use our whole lives, our our time and abilities and talents, to serve you to the best of our abilities. Dear Jesus, to you be all of the glory. In your name we pray. Amen.